All right, everybody find your seat. Once again, we just want to welcome you here this morning to Life Church. We're so glad that you're with us. Uh, my name is Matt. I'm the lead pastor here at Life Church, along with my wife, Tanya. We serve with Pastor Mike and Ev, and we are so grateful to be able to be your pastors. Um, we love you. We're so grateful that you're here today. We, I believe that God wants to speak to each one of us today. Amen. And, and just to be clear with you this morning, I'm just going to be preaching to myself. <laughs> Because sometimes you just got to preach to yourself. I want to welcome all those that are online. Everybody that's with us right now, joining us live in their homes. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for making the point to join us today. I believe that God wants to meet you as well. And uh, this morning, you guys, what is today? Everybody put up their palms. It is Palm Sunday. We say, Lord, we give this day to you, Lord God. We give this sermon to you. We give this word to you, Lord Jesus. And we pray that today you would meet us in this place, Lord God. We ask for your Holy Spirit to work in this place. Work through me, Lord God. Use me as your vessel, Lord God. Help me to get out of the way so that your presence can flow through me, Lord Jesus. I pray that you would meet each heart and each person here today. And I pray for change and life and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. And everybody said... Amen. Well, it is indeed Palm Sunday, and so without further ado, we're going to dive right into the Word of God this morning. We're going to be reading from the book of Matthew, and this is one of the events in Jesus' life that is mentioned in all four of the Gospels. But I've chosen Matthew this morning just because I like that name. Yeah, it's kind of my default. <laughs> just being honest. No, and also because I like, I like the passage. I like the way it's written as well. So Matthew chapter 21, verse 1. Uh, I'm just kidding, by the way, about that. Um, verse 1, and this is what it says. I'm reading from the New King James Version. It says, Now, when they drew near to Jerusalem, that being the disciples and Jesus, and came to Bethphage at the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village opposite you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Loose them and bring them to me. And if anyone says anything to you, you shall say, The Lord has need of them. And immediately he will send them. And all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet, saying, Tell this daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming to you, lowly and sitting on a donkey, a colt, and a full of a donkey. So the disciples went and did as Jesus had commanded them. And a great multitude spread their clothes on the road. Others cut down branches from trees and spread them, uh, pardon me, um, branches from trees and spread them on the road. And then the multitude who went before and those who followed out uh, cried out saying, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he had come into Jerusalem, all the city was moved saying, who is this? So the multitude said, this is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth of Galilee. Amen. Amen. So here we have the story that we've all probably heard before. The story of the triumphant entry of Jesus into Jerusalem. But what I want to do this morning is I want to give you a little bit of a backstory behind that. I want to give you a little bit of context to that. And then we're going to find out what God wants to say to us today out of this passage. So we know that there's Jesus who is coming into Jerusalem. But the situation surrounding his arrival is a little bit unique. You see, when Jesus is coming into Jerusalem, he's coming into a place where there are people who are gathered who have stated that their purpose and their goal is to kill him. 
There's a conspiracy that has been put out around him. And, and there are leaders that are saying that their, their stated aim and their stated goal is to destroy him. Now, when he comes into Jerusalem at this time, there's a people that are full of religious fervor. This was the season of the Passover. The season of the sacrificial lamb that was sacrificed for the sins of a family. Um, so there would have been a lot of newer people in the city as well. Josephus, the historian... He did a a, a census about 10 years after this, and he found that there was over 256, uh, yeah, 56,000 lambs that were slaughtered on the Passover. 256,000. Now, what they estimate is that for each one of those lambs, that would have covered about 10 people in a household. So it is possible that at this time, as Jesus is coming in to this dangerous place, that there was over 2.5 million extra people in the city at that time. It was full. It was swelling full of people. And so there's tons of people there. Um, uh, Barclay, William Barclay says in his commentary, Jesus could not have chosen a more dramatic moment. It was into a city surging with people, keyed up with religious ex- expectations that he came. Now, what he could have done, knowing that there was a conspiracy out to kill him, is he could have very easily just snuck in to the town on that day. He could have come into the city quietly. Nobody would have ever known. He could have done that. But there was something prophetic about this moment. There was something that he was trying to tell us. There was a message and there was a momentum that he was starting to build. The sounds and smells in the place would have been overwhelming. The sound of lambs braying and the the sound of people celebrating and gathering would have been overwhelming at that time. And it is into this atmosphere that Jesus comes. Why? What was important about this moment? What was it? A couple of the things about it that he did. We're going to come back to that in just a second. He rode in on a donkey. They call this the triumphant entry. And when a king would come back triumphant from war, from conquering a people, they would return into the city on triumph. And they would normally come in in a chariot or riding a great war horse as a sign of victory. But not our king. Our king came on a donkey. A sign of humility and a sign of peace. This is not uncommon. A king could ride in on a donkey, but the message that he was sending is that he had come in peace and he had come to bring peace. And so into this atmosphere is where Jesus comes and the people gather around him and all of a sudden a crowd begins to form and the Bible tells us that they lay down their coats under him and they pick up palm branches and wave them before him and lay them down at his feet and he rides in and there is such a commotion from this that people all around are gathered and are aware that something is happening in this moment. And why are they worshiping him? What's the context? Why are they coming? Why are they gathering to this man riding on a donkey? We find out a few things here. In Luke's account, it tells us this. Then when he was drawing near to the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works they had seen. So they're coming because they've seen these mighty works. In John's account, he tells us, therefore the people who were with him when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead bore witness. And for this reason, the people also met him because they had heard that he had done this sign. So people are aware that Jesus is a miracle worker. People are aware that there's something unique about this man. And it starts to gather this crowd. 
It starts to, to gather all the people, and people are running around, and they're, they're calling their friends, hey, did you hear about this Jesus that raised Lazarus from the dead? He's here. You've got to come check this out. And people are leaving their parties, their family homes, and, and they're running out into the streets, and they're standing, and they're, they're glorifying him, and they're magnifying him. This was momentous. It was so momentous that Matthew's account tells us that when they came into Jerusalem, all the city was moved. Saying, who is this? So the multitude said, this is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth of Galilee. Luke says it this way. He says um, that when they come in, the Pharisees come and they try and tell the crowd to be quiet. And Jesus says, uh, he says, teacher, rebuke your disciples. And Jesus answered and said to him, I tell you, if these should keep silent, the stones would immediately cry out. There was something so momentous about this moment that nothing could stop it. There was something so momentous about this moment that not even the, the, the nature around it could stop it. There was something that, that just demanded that he be praised and worshipped and glorified. This is a moment of revealing of who he is. The coming king. John's account says, The Pharisees therefore said to themselves, You see, you are accomplishing nothing. Look, the world has gone after him. There's some momentum. And it's purposeful, and there's a reason for it. And God is trying to teach us something. He's trying to show us something. He's trying to prepare us for something. And and the most amazing part of this, the people were acknowledging and worshiping the Savior. But what were they acknowledging and worshiping Him for? They were worshiping Him, and they might not even have realized this, for a breakthrough that was yet to come. Because when they gathered and when they worshipped, there was a word that they began to throw out at him. And when we read that word, I think a lot of times we think about it as just a really nice praise word. Hosanna, Hosanna, right? This praise word. And we see this word and we think, oh man, isn't that nice? They all gathered, they put their coats down, they had some nice palm branches that they were waving before him, and, and, and all these people were waving these palm branches, and, 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 and isn't that nice? And then they all yelled out, Hosanna. Oh, that's great. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. But they cried out, Hosanna. And what does Hosanna mean? We've heard it a number of times this morning. The meaning of that word is this. Save now. Save now. See, church, what this momentum was about was an acknowledgement that there was somebody who was coming that could save now. That there was somebody that was coming, and the moment wasn't there yet. It wasn't there yet. But it was coming. And so this people came, and Barclay says it this way, essentially, it's a people's cry for deliverance. For help in their day of trouble. It's an oppressed people's cry to their Savior and their King. And what do we learn from this church? What is God trying to tell us? And I believe it's this. That there is a worship that happens before the breakthrough. There is a cry of worship that comes forth from our hearts before the breakthrough. There is a cry of worship that needs to erupt from our spirits before the breakthrough. That aligns with the reality of the fact that He is the High King. 
that aligns with the reality that he is the king of kings. There is a worship that comes before the breakthrough. And what breakthrough are we talking about in this case? What breakthrough? Well, it wouldn't be a week later that Jesus, these same people that were crying out Hosanna, would be surrounding him with angry fists, yelling out, crucify him. Crucify him. And this humble Savior would be nailed to a cross for you and for me. But then, he would be put into a tomb and he would conquer death for you and for me. He is the King of kings. The Bible tells us that Jesus had yet to enter into his glory. John 7, 6 says, Then Jesus said to them, My time has not yet come, but your time is always ready. John seven thirty nine said, But this he spoke concerning the Spirit, whom those who believing in him would receive, for the Holy Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. Wait a minute, he's not yet glorified, but they're already worshiping him? They're worshiping him before the breakthrough. As an acknowledgement that he can do it. Matthew 25, verse 31. When the Son of Man came, comes in his glory, all the holy angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of his glory. Luke 24, verse 26, ought not the Christ to have suffered these things, to have entered into his glory? Church, this morning I want to talk to you about a praise that comes after victory and a worship that comes before the breakthrough. There is a praise that comes after the victory, but then there is a worship that can come before the breakthrough. I love how the Bible is so authentic and so real. I love how it doesn't try to hide its, its warts and, and, its, it, and, and its, its reality. And one of my favorite guys in the Bible who does this so well is a man by the name of David who wrote the book of Psalms. And David never hides it. David's just real about it. And David in the book of Psalm 42 says it this way. He's, he's crying out to God and he's going through a tough time and his cry is, Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. Church, and sometimes, I know we might not feel it, but we need to recognize it, that our God is mighty to save. That you might not see the breakthrough right now, but the breakthrough is coming. And there is a God who can meet you right where you are. We serve a God who answers prayers. We serve a God who is here today. We serve a God who is more than a theory or an idea. We serve a living God who is mighty to save. Hope in God, for I will yet praise Him. How about this one? Psalm 27 verse 13. There is a worship that's based on our hope. I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Do you believe it, church? Do you believe it? There is a God who saves. There is a God who's working in us. There is a God who has, has the power to set you free. There is a God who has the power to give you hope. There is a God who has the power to set you free from depression and anxiety. There is a God. And there is a worship that happens before the breakthrough. 
So what does this worship look like on the path to breakthrough? By the way, that's the title of my message today. The path to breakthrough. What does this look like? Well, here's what happens. Number one, before the breakthrough, there was an invite to encounter and a gathering. Before the breakthrough, there was an invite to encounter and a gathering. Life Church, our purpose at Life Church is this to care for and to bring people to Jesus. Church, we don't save anybody. I can't save you, but Jesus can. Jesus can. And church, there's something powerful that happens when we gather. There's something powerful that happens when we come with an expectation to encounter the presence of God. See, what was happening in this time is people were running back into their homes and gathering their family and their friends and saying, listen, the guy that raised that Lazarus guy from the dead, he's over here right now. And they were gathering them and they were bringing them out into it and they were having them join in with what was going on. And there was this big momentum and movement that was happening because people were inviting others to come and meet with Jesus. And what was gathering them? The Bible tells us right here. It was the works that had been done. It was what had happened with Lazarus. Do you know what that is? That's a testimony. In the book of Revelation, we're told that they, the people of God, overcame the devil by the blood of the Lamb, which is God working in us, and by the word of their testimony. Church, you have a story to tell. Come on, you've got a story to tell. And you can go and you can tell that story. Hey, listen, I want to tell you about what Jesus did in my life. I want to tell you about the time where I was so hopeless. I didn't even know if I could get up in the morning. But then I I started seeking God and I started going after his presence. And he has changed my life and he has changed my heart. I want to tell you about a time where I was praying for a breakthrough in my life. And I needed some finances and I was praying. and, And then all of a sudden something just showed up on my door. This is what God can do. Come. Come and meet him. Come and see him. Come and see the King of Kings. Come and see the Lord of Lords. Come and worship Him. Come. Hebrews 10.24 And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some, but exhorting one another so much more as you see the day approaching. Oh man, come on. We need each other. We need each other. We need you. We need to exhort each other, come, 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 don't stop, don't quit, keep going, because he is here and the breakthrough is coming. Amen? Matthew eighteen twenty. for where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am also in the midst of them. Let's not forsake the assembling. Let's not forsake the gathering. Let's come. Jesus is here and he's working in this place. The breakthrough is coming. Psalm 91 verse one, one, uh, 95 verses 1 through 3. Oh, come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving. Let us shout joyfully to him with psalms. For the Lord is great and the great king above all kings, above all gods. Come on, let's call each other up. Let's remind each other of God's greatness. There's an invite to an encounter and to a gathering before the breakthrough. It's number one. You guys with me? Okay, number two, before the breakthrough, there was an acknowledgement of Jesus' lordship and power. 
before the breakthrough, there was an acknowledgement of Jesus' lordship and power. How did they do that? The people sang, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. What did they sing? Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. What are they singing? Save now! God, you've got the power. I don't know what else to put my hope in, but I know that you just raised somebody from the dead, and I know that you just did something in my friend's life, and I know that you've worked in this community, and you've changed this nation. I know that you've done this. I know that you've done this, so I'm going to cry out to you. And declare that you are my Savior and my Lord. See, this implies that they are hoping that he is actually able to save. Declaring his greatness and declaring his power. Church, we need to declare his greatness and we need to declare his power. Listen, I can't save you. He can. Hey, I can't even save myself, but Jesus can. My hope is built on nothing less but Jesus' blood and righteousness. Philippians 2, 9 through 11. Therefore God also has highly exalted him, given them the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of those in heaven and of those on the earth and those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. Save now! Romans ten thirteen. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. There's an acknowledgement of his lordship and his power. Okay, number three. Before the breakthrough, what happened? The people went all in. What did they do? The Bible tells us that they laid down their coats. Um, one of the de- commentaries I read from Wiseman said, the act of spreading out garments was one of recognition, loyalty, and promise of support. Now, I, I don't know this for a fact because I didn't live back then, but I'm going to assume that it wasn't that easy to get yourself a new coat in those days. You know, like in the Old Testament, a lot of times the prophets will use their clothes as a prophetic sign of something extreme. So they'll come in and they'll tear up, they'll say, the Bible will say they tear, tore their coat. When somebody was like angry or like, you know, um, sad or like broken, like just like gutted, they would tear their coat as a sign like they, they, this, is, this is serious. Like this person just tore their coat. And so these guys, what they're doing is they're taking off their coats in this act of worship, and the Bible says they're laying it down in front of a donkey and letting a donkey walk over it. Now, I was just trying to figure out how I would explain that to my wife when I got home. You know, if I was wearing that coat and I came home, and I was, she's like, you know, my wife, this is, this is what happens. This is what happens to my wife. She'd be like, what, what, what happened to your coat? I'd be like, oh. Oh, there was this guy riding a donkey, and everybody's throwing their coats in front of him. So I just threw my coat in front of him, too. And you know the whole thing, right? Like, well, if Joseph jumped off the temple, would you do that, too, right? Would you do that, too? There's something about the coat. It's not like you just run down to the Gap, H&M on the corner, and pick up a new coat. Get onto the website and click, there, there's my brand new coat. No, no, this was, this was a big deal. This was a sign of something that was happening deep in their hearts that was stirring within them. This was an abandonment of worship. This was a worship of sacrifice. 
This cost them something. It wasn't just something that, you know, well, this is what everybody's doing. It's cool. I've got like four or five at home. No, no. This cost them something. When was the last time you worshipped in a way that it cost you something? On the path to the breakthrough, there was a people who were all in. Matthew 16, 24, verse 25 says, Then Jesus said to the disciples, If anyone comes after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Jesus is calling us to go all in. Hebrews 12, 1, Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin that so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. The weight and the sin. Lay it aside. Come on, it wouldn't tell us to lay that aside if it wasn't something that all of us have to carry sometimes. But in light of Jesus' face, in light of His glory, lay it aside and run with endurance the race that is set before us. Come on, looking into Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Before the breakthrough, the people went all in. Okay, I've got two more. You with me? Here we go, next one, number four. Before the breakthrough, the people declared His victory. How do we know that? They pulled out the palm branches. Now, historically, um, there was precedence for this. Roughly 100 to 150 years earlier, a man by the name of Maccabees had uh, delivered the temple from a, a defiling king. A king had come in. He had absolutely overrun the temple. He was doing horrendous, unspeakable things in the temple. And the people were just ripped up about it in their spirits. And there was a man that led a group in by the name of Maccabees, and he actually delivered the temple. And when he came in to deliver the temple, we're told in the histories that the people had palm branches as a sign of victory and as a sign of support and also celebration for the victory that was coming. And that's what they do here again. Hey, what, what should we do? How can we, what about, remember that Maccabee story? We should get some palm branches. Yeah, that's a great idea. Let's go. Get them out there. Let's go. Come on. We get, this is the king. This is the Lord. This is the one who just overcame death. This is the one who has the power to save us. Let's do it. Let's get the branches out. And before it had even happened, before the breakthrough had even come, they began to declare victory. Matthew 9, 28 tells a story about these blind men that come to him in a house. And it says, when he came into the house, the blind man came to him. And Jesus said to them, do you believe that I'm able to do this? And they said to him, yes, Lord. Then he touched their eyes, saying, according to your faith, so be it to you. Come on, do you believe that God is able to bring breakthrough in your life? Do you believe that he's able to meet you right where you are? Man, I had a couple of reminders even this week. That God is able to answer prayer. God is able to meet us right where we are. Like, he, he just, he, God is so good. God is so good. God is able. God is able. Number five. When the breakthrough came, it came in a way that none of them thought that it would. You know what, church? 
it was actually far better than they ever imagined. See, because one week from that day, they were asking him to save them from their oppressive regime. They were asking him to deliver them from an external oppression. But what Jesus was about to do was free the hearts of all mankind. He was about to answer the deep unsettledness and craving that we don't know how to fill. Jesus was about to do something that was universal and would impact time in eternity. The people were looking for him to impact their moment. But Jesus wanted to impact their forever. Ephesians 3.20 says this, Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above and beyond all that we could ask or think according to the power that works in us. Through Christ Jesus, by the way. Our God is able to meet us right where we are. And He is able to bring breakthrough into your situation, but it might not be the way that you expect it to be. But there is always victory in Him. 3 John 1-2 this is what he says, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health, just as your soul prospers. And I love this idea here about this idea of... I looked for actually another version that didn't have the word prosper in it because it's such a contentious word, but it's just not there. That's what it means. It means to prosper. I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. So here, the writer John is saying, I want you to prosper in all things. I want you to prosper in health, but that's secondary to something else, that your soul would prosper. That your soul would prosper. Church, there is a peace that passes understanding. There is a joy that is unspeakable that goes beyond anything that we could hope or imagine. There is a love that we must experience. And His name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. And as we close today, I wonder today if you have forgotten that our God is mighty to save. That He is able to answer your prayers. That He is able to do exceedingly abundantly above and beyond all that we could ask or hope. See, I said this earlier. There is a worship that is based on this hope. And in Hebrews chapter 6, verse 19, it tells us this. This hope we have is an anchor for the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which enters the presence behind the veil. Hosanna. Hosanna. I want to invite Jasper to come on up and grab the guitar. I want to invite my beautiful wife to come up. And how we're going to respond to this today, church, is we're going to respond in worship. We're going to respond with a song. And I want to sing Hosanna with you. And so I'd like to invite you all to stand right where you are.
Jesus. Jesus. Sing Hosanna. Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. Hosanna. Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. Hosanna, Hosanna. that you are God and you can do whatever you want to do. God, our hope is in the living God. 
Our hope is in the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And Lord God, we lay everything at your feet this morning, Lord Jesus. And we thank you that we serve a God whose arm is not too short that he cannot save. His ear is not too far that he cannot hear. And we thank you today, Lord Jesus, that you are here with us now. God, I pray for everybody in this place today that has needs under the sound of my voice, God. We cry out to you today and we say, Hosanna. Hosanna, Lord. We recognize your ability to save. We recognize your ability to bring hope and life. And we put our trust in you, whatever our circumstances may be. Father, we ask that you would meet us in this place today. And as we leave today, we would walk in faith. Father, I pray for uh, every part in this place, Lord Jesus, Father, that you give us the strength this morning to go all in. To declare your victory. And God, to walk in it. We thank you that you are mighty to save. And God, we have great expectations because we serve a great God. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. You may be seated for just a moment.